Paul, you've got to stop installing Linux on just anything electronic. Oh, don't worry. I'm not planning on stopping there. What? Paul, what are you doing in there? Just leave me alone for a second. Are you... Paul, I mean this. Do not install Linux on the toilet. This is Control Structure, Episode 6, for December 26th, 2012. Stuffed my face with your host, Andrew Bailey, and now sliding up a hill sideways at 60 miles an hour. Hi there. So, big week. Well, there's that one thing called Christmas, and before that the world was supposed to end, but, or didn't, uh, or we were like supposed to be like transformed into like these ethereal beings or something, but if I'm an ethereal being, it sucks. It sucks just as much as whatever... Uh, I was before, uh, which, you know, I guess it really doesn't uh, change a whole lot of stuff, uh, because everything's the same, and it sucks. So, uh, then Christmas came along, and I went back to my parents and stuffed my face, so that was nice. And, uh, well, I didn't really get too much, then again, I really didn't ask for much either. So, but point is, I was satisfied. So, uh, anyways, uh, this is the 26th, it's the day after, and right now Pittsburgh is being buried alive under about, I don't know how many inches of snow. Uh, my company was nice enough and let uh, everyone work from home uh, at about lunchtime. And uh, by then, driving was still very possible, but fun. Uh, so, yeah, have you ever slid up a hill uh, sideways at 60 miles an hour? I have, but it didn't happen today. It happened, like, a few years ago. Uh, but, yeah, that was uh, interesting. So, I hope uh, everyone else is doing quite well.
let's uh, dig into some headlines here. So, you know China. Uh, apparently they have a big firewall erected around their country and around their networks or something. And uh, apparently it can, can detect VPN connections. Uh, you know, like a way around this firewall. Uh, apparently the Great Firewall can now detect these uh, VPN connections and terminate them when it detects them. So uh, the way around is, uh, well, not working anymore. Uh, in other news, uh, Steam on Linux is now in open beta, and it uh, can work under multiple distributions. Uh, when I went over to my parents, I brought my Linux laptop, uh, that is my only laptop, and uh, I went ahead and uh, fired it up, and it works okay. It seems like it likes to eat a lot of CPU when it scrolls, and uh, it doesn't have any download bars at all, so I believe I downloaded Braid on there, and uh, yeah, it, uh, I didn't play it because I didn't know that it had finished downloading. There was absolutely no download bars at all. And it seems like uh, drop-down boxes uh, are kind of hard to use. So, aside from that, it uh, seems okay. Uh, I have bought a lot of the Humble Indie bundles. So a lot of those games are Linux... Well, pretty much all of them, except for the THQ games, are uh, Linux-compatible. And they a good many of them showed up. So, you know Dropbox, and uh, does your enemy have a Dropbox account? Well, if you want to delete all of that, all it takes is about $800 and some luck. Uh, apparently, uh, you can send an invite uh, to them uh, because 800 bucks gets you like a corporate account, and uh, gives you one terabyte of storage. And who wouldn't like a one terabyte of cloud storage? Just all your stuff right there. So this uh, this little bit of luck portion comes in in that uh, they would have to accept the invite, and uh, then you can revoke their access, and that apparently deletes their Dropbox account entirely. So that was. Uh, that would be kind of lame. And apparently Dropbox knows about this bug, but they haven't done anything about it. So, yeah. You can delete all their stuff, but it's going to cost you a little bit. Uh, let see. A while back, I had mentioned, I believe it was me and Ryan had mentioned uh, VLC uh, coming to Windows 8. Uh, apparently they have achieved their funding goal, and uh, even right now they have a mm, little bit over two days left to go, uh, but they have uh, reached their goal, and it looks like a VLC will be coming to Windows 8, so good for them. Uh, also, uh, Mozilla is uh, having second thoughts about stopping their 64-bit nightly builds. So it looks like uh, they might be coming back, and there's a huge, excuse me, a huge uh, news group chain uh, conversation going on here. That uh, Benjamin Smedberg, I believe he is the uh, head of like release builds or something at Mozilla, who originally suggested the idea of 
uh, stopping all the 64-bit builds. And uh, as you could imagine, there was quite a bit of uh, uh, disagreement and hate going on around this. So it looks like they're going to stop the uh, bring. They're going to bring it back, but stop the error reporting and let people know that this is absolutely not supported. So, uh, meanwhile, I'll just keep on using Waterfox. So, uh, Alexander Demon uh, has collected a few uh, 8080 processors from uh, several manufacturers, and he has posted images of them on his uh, website here. And uh, he says that uh, all of them are identical, and he has... Uh, like some device to test all of these and test like all the instructions and stuff. And he says that they are all identical except for the AMD ones. Uh, apparently has something to do with uh, bitwise or uh, instructions that the results are a little bit different. And uh, apparently a lot of companies uh, made the 8080 processors uh Let's see, like National Semiconductor, uh, NEC, Samsung, Texas Instruments, and a uh, few from the former Soviet Union. So, uh, speaking of uh, x86, uh, looks like uh, x86 is more uh, energy efficient than uh, ARM, at least uh, some implementations. Uh, looks like the Acer W510 tablet. Uh, is more energy efficient than the Microsoft Surface. Like, uh, as in, you know, can get better battery life out of it. Uh, this, uh, Atom processor in, uh, the Asus, or Asus Acer tablet, uh, is, uh, made on a smaller process and, uh, consumes less energy. So, yeah. X86 is uh, finally uh, may have finally reached parity with ARM in terms of power consumption. Even in our uh, fantastic world of 50 megabit FIOS connections, uh, a page's weight or its download size still matters. And uh, Chris Zacharias, uh, a guy that formerly worked at YouTube, uh, has posted a story about how he made a very light version of the YouTube watch page. Uh, seemed like at one point it was uh, weighing in at 250 kilobytes, and he decided that, uh, you know, this is a bit uh, ridiculous. Uh, so he uh, endeavored to create a page that was under 100 kilobytes, so he just went around, uh, you know, slashing and stuff, and he eventually made it, and he, uh, you know, put it into production, uh, like as a test run to a few select people. And uh, he noticed, like, all of these statistics and stuff, and he found out that the average page load time under this new page uh, called Feather uh, was over two minutes. Uh, that was, you know, much longer uh, than a normal video page. Uh, so he, you know, did some testing and whatnot, and, uh, nothing he found really made sense. 
But as it turns out, that there was a disproportionate increase in traffic uh, from very remote places like uh, Southeast Asia, South America, Africa, you know, Siberia, you know, places that don't really have good internet connections. Uh, so it revealed that, you know, in these places, it was over, you know, took an average of two minutes, uh, meant that the regular video page, uh, was taking more than 20 minutes to load for them. Uh, so this actually increased YouTube's accessibility to, uh, people with very slow speed, uh, connections. So, you know, that, uh, therefore triggered a, uh, average, uh, you know, uh, like a longer average load time for this newer page because all these people that, you know, didn't have these connections were trying to use it, uh, because they couldn't use the real one. So, you know, think about that next time you, uh, load up your page with all this other stuff. And, you know, even on my blog that, uh, the minimalist, uh, you know, design aesthetic and uh, feature set, uh, was, you know, intent to that on purpose. Uh, you could almost uh, use my blog on dial up. So, uh, anyways. So, uh, turns out that Canonical is a bunch of thieves, uh, that apparently they, uh, sold Super Meat Boy on the Ubuntu store without paying, uh, Team Meat. Uh, the developers, uh, for over a year. And, uh, uh, Edmund McMillan has, uh, you know, posted about this. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, rather, uh, rather bad on Canonical's part of doing this. Uh, so the EFF, uh, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, uh, is really concerned about the first sale doctrine, about it being under attack, and it points out two court cases, uh, that might, uh, define the future of this. Uh, you know, it's, you know, you bought it, you should own it, uh, and, uh, goes on against, uh, you know, not just, you know, licensing of content and whatnot, uh, but about, you know, cases like Kurt Sang versus Wiley and Sons. In that, uh, this, uh, Thai student, uh, came to the U.S. and found that the, uh, you know, textbook prices over here are outrageous. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, uh, they kinda are. And, uh, realized that he could get the very same books, uh, back home in Thailand, uh, for much cheaper and they have the same content and whatnot. And, uh, uh, Wiley and Sons, the publisher of uh, a lot of these books, uh, have noticed this and want to put a stop to it and because of like importing uh, foreign goods and stuff. And uh, another case, uh, Capital versus Redigi. Uh, Redigi is essentially a digital used uh, music store. Uh, it allows people to take iTunes songs that they don't want and upload it to the cloud and uh, pretty much wait until someone buys it from there. But uh, Capitol Records doesn't like this because uh, apparently they don't like the way that it transfers music back and forth. It involves a lot of copying and apparently Capitol Records doesn't like copies of their music just floating around. Uh, but 
apparently they're pretty stupid in realizing that's the only way that it could work. Uh, there is a, no such operation as a read and delete, uh, like all in one. It has to be two separate things. So, do you like flat designs or curved designs? Uh, Sasha Grief, uh, has, uh, gone on, uh, uh he, uh, apparently went back to his parents' place in Paris for the holidays and, uh, noticed that the bathroom sink was replaced with a flat bottom sink. And, uh, you know, he, he, you know, appreciates the Zen minimalism, uh, that it's, uh, that it is. Uh, but then he quickly realizes that a flat bottom sink has certain disadvantages versus a curved one, and that the curved design allows water to you know, essentially go down towards the center uh, to allow water to splash towards the middle of the sink rather than everywhere. And it prevents, you know, water from pooling on the bottom. And it's much easier to obtain a certain depth of water in a curved sink. And he translates that into GUI design uh, in the fact that, uh, you know, Apple uh, has a very curved sink design in their skeuomorphism, uh, you know, like leather uh, outlines and, you know, torn paper and whatnot. Uh, whereas... Uh, the modern UI from Microsoft is a very flat design, and uh, Google is even flatter. Uh, and he says that you know if you remove all the texture, uh, you might end up with you know such sterile designs that it scares user away. And uh, you have uh, little idea of you know what you can actually click on. So you can go so far minimal that you remove all the subtle cues that, you know, you're supposed to click on these things to, you know, make stuff happen. And I've, you know, I've sort of noticed that uh, Google's visual design is, you know, very minimal uh, to the fact that it's almost to their detriment. And have you ever seen the, uh, like, the ads that they're doing for the uh, Google Fiber in Kansas City? You know... Their Technicolor rabbit uh, just kind of looks wrong to me. You know, rabbits aren't supposed to be multicolored like that. Um, and I appreciate the uh, modern UI design or the Windows 8 Store uh, UI design uh, quite a bit better, uh, even though it looks like you're walking into a candy shop. You know, it's uh, you can you know, easily distinguish what you're supposed to click on or touch or whatever. And it's all very easy to read. And uh, I also like the uh, font that they use as well. Uh, speaking of fonts, uh, VentureBeat has made a list of the best web fonts of 2012. Uh, it goes into, uh, like, a few of them, especially, I believe they might be all available from Google Web Fonts. Uh, it's a service that uh, Google has to essentially, you know, download fonts into web pages. And uh, I I use uh, web fonts on my blog as well. Uh, they don't go to Google, uh, but I believe I got them all off of them. 
Uh, but uh, these fonts, some of them I've never heard of, but they uh, look pretty good. And you might want to take a look at them and use them before they have the credibility of Comic Sans. So, uh, Mark Shuttleworth uh, has made a blog post of what he expects from Ubuntu in 2013. And he basically says we're going to be pushing hard into, you know, the mobile and tablet space as well as into the cloud. So, and you, you know, you can deride Ubuntu all that you like, you know, due to, uh, you know, Unity and also due to not paying royalties to certain people. Uh, but, you know, it's a great engineering effort being put into uh, a core of a Linux system. And, you know, I rather like uh, Zubuntu, which is Ubuntu without Unity, uh, with XFace instead. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it goes, it goes with, uh, you know, all the, uh, Ubuntu packages, uh, Ubuntu repos. So, you know, I kind of enjoy working in the ecosystem myself. So, you got your Raspberry Pi. It finally came, but you have no idea of how to use it. So here are some some, some suggestions uh, from Pingbin. Uh, so, you know, stuff like the obvious, a web server, a BitTorrent server, uh, an XBMC, uh, a backup uh, repo, or, you know a cloud uh, computing and whatnot, but also some, you know, rather interesting uh, things uh, like a tank, a quadcopter, and uh, a solar data logger, uh, a kiosk even. So that uh, might be something to look into. Uh, also uh, interesting to look into um, apparently there's a new kit or two on the video codec block. Uh, so have you ever heard of H.264? Uh, well, there's an H.265 coming. And, uh, you remember Ziff.org? Uh, you might not have heard of them, but, uh, they're the people behind the Og family of codecs, like, uh, Vorbis and Theora. And I believe now that they're, uh, doing Flack, uh, as well. I think they actually, uh, merged with Flack or something. Uh, but, uh, Ziff and Mozilla are working away at another video codec. Uh, for the moment it's codenamed, uh, Dala. And it's supposed to be better than H.265. Uh, I found an overview of this and a presentation that goes over some algorithms and techniques that it uses and that video codecs in general use as well. And now for this week's installment of LOL Apple. <laughs> Turns out that Steve's Jobs yacht is impounded. Uh, so Steve Jobs had apparently invested... Uh, let's see, it looks like a hundred million euro boat, uh, 260 foot long, uh, that made its unofficial debut in October. Uh, but it's now stuck in Amsterdam after, uh, apparently the designer, uh, hired a debt collection agency to, uh, you know, get someone to pay up the rest of the money that it was owed him. 
I'm not sure who would be owning this. Uh, this uh, article from CNN doesn't really say. So that's interesting. And uh, over the past few weeks, I uh, have collected some articles that don't really fit anywhere, uh, but were just dropped to save time. So uh, Miguel de Icasa... Uh, this guy has been involved in quite a few open source projects like uh, GNOME and uh, Mono, uh, the .NET, uh, the Microsoft .NET implementation, but uh, the free version. Uh, he uh, went on in length about what killed desktop Linux. Uh, he uh, pretty much, you know, uh, muses about uh, you know a few reasons why. And, uh, he pretty much blames, uh, the fact that, you know, things keep moving at such a breakneck pace that, uh, hardly anything, uh, between distros and time is compatible. And that's essentially what killed it. You know, you know, it's great that, you know, several thousand people are using what you put out there, but there's millions of people who use Windows. So, uh, I guess, what is easier to support. So, quick, uh, how would you design a chicken? Uh, so, some developers over in the UK have uh, uh, decided to go about how they would redesign a chicken. Uh, I was not aware that there was any big design problems with the chicken. Uh, so... These people just go on uh, rather crazy about adding more legs, adding more wings, and uh, eliminating a uh, few of the unnecessary organs, and uh, you know, pretty much making a four-legged chicken, uh, which is sort of weird. And uh, you know how they would, uh, you know, increase the meat and egg production of chickens, but again, I. Didn't really know that anything wrong was wrong with chickens. So, have you ever browsed a website, ever go to a blog? Uh, apparently, you are committing a crime under uh, number 18 U.S. Code 1030A, uh, better known as the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, uh, because since people do not directly authorize you to visit uh, websites, uh that uh, apparently any means of browsing the web is uh, is uh, impossible since you are accessing a machine that you do not uh, explicitly have access to, and this happens all over the web and uh, lots of other services as well. So uh, there's a little bit of a, a disconnect between the law and reality. Uh, I've also come across a... Uh, I believe it's the 99designs, uh, the contest for the Stack Overflow logo. And uh, you can you know, go ahead and look at uh, all of these proposed uh, logos for Stack Overflow and see how you know, radically different a few of them are. Uh, and a few of them look kind of cool, uh, if only different. So... Uh, also, uh, you can look at client feedback. Uh, this is uh, uh, apparently feedback that uh, designers have actually come across before. And uh, um, sharpsuits.net 
uh, here. I believe this is an Irish website, uh, but, uh, you know, people are people uh, wherever you go. And, uh, you know, just some of the ridiculous uh, things. Uh, For instance, uh, you know, there's a picture with a backside of an elephant. Uh, Can you turn it around in Photoshop so we can see more of the front? Uh, except you really can't see more of the front as is. The elephant is looking the other way. So, uh, and tons of other uh, little posters or motivationals. Uh, Speaking of uh, bad clients, uh, I have an article here about uh, how you can detect a toxic customer or client or however it might be. And this story goes on uh, about a guy who got a call from a uh, potential customer, and he was uh, demanding all sorts of support, uh, like support outside the normal hours uh, on holidays and stuff. And he pretty much didn't follow the directions to set everything up. So he goes over about five uh, signs, uh, disrespectful, abrupt, uh, ask for a discount for apparently no reason, uh, has uh, multiple contacts through multiple channels, has unrealistic expectations, and uh, asks multiple questions that that could be answered uh, from the website that you have up. So it pretty much goes through... And uh, he basically says, no, it doesn't look like uh, our solution will fit your needs. And uh, a few while later, a while later, that uh, someone replied back from that company uh, saying that, you know, my colleague is the wrong person to be talking to you. I apologize. Uh, Can we go back to the start? And uh, apparently uh, they had that... uh, this person had what these people were looking for. So, you know, you know, it's not good to be picky and bossy and whatnot. Just, you know, ask, you know, be simple and make sure that you're the right person that is asking the questions. So I'm going to tell you what I like. I like Loading Ready Run. Uh, this is a sketch comedy group from Victoria uh, that is up in Canada. It's right next to Seattle. Uh, uh, Loading Ready Run is a sketch comedy group uh, that has been around for like eight or nine years now. Uh, and I love these people. 
Uh, I had originally started uh, watching them uh, back in 2007 uh, when they had their Halo video, and uh, this was uh, released, uh, you know, at the same time as Halo 3, and uh, pretty much depicted Halo taking over the world. And uh, they have all sorts of ridiculous uh, sketch comedy uh, videos that, uh, you know, I find rather hilarious. And they also do several other series uh, on the Escapist as well. And, you know, sometimes it's about gaming, sometimes it's just about geek and nerd culture. Uh, So I recommend that you uh, check them out. And, uh, I, when I, uh, originally found them, I, you know, went back through their archives and, uh, found that I had seen their Wii video, uh, that, uh, they had released a few months earlier. And that was pretty much all about, uh, ridiculous, uh, Wii Play games, uh, that were rejected. go on to the Nexus.tv uh, on Christmas Day to find not one, but four podcasts. So, uh, I went ahead and listened to all those. So, and uh, also stay tuned uh, next week uh, for our end of the year special. Uh, seems like uh, all of us guys will be uh, getting together for that one. Uh, so, uh, keep a lookout for that. And it seems like this will be the uh, last control structure uh, for this year. Uh, So for all of me at Control Structure, I wish you a very happy new year. And I hope you had a very lovely Christmas. And uh, maybe you won't get snowed in. Uh, You can find my contact information on the Nexus.tv on the very same page that you got this podcast. Wish you a happy new year and all that good stuff. So have a good one.